Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. There there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hey everyone, I'm Guile and I tweet at Door Podcast and tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And with Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr and Lady of Tarth on Twitter. The Lady and of Tarth, sorry. <laughs> the, the, the. Like the Ohio State University. <laughs> the. The, sorry, uh, the. the Ohio State University. <laughs> oh, we're going to get letters. Um, so tonight we are going to discuss Brienne 3 from A Feast of Crow, Feast for Crows and our standard spoiler warnings, but also pretty specific um, trigger warnings for rape discussion in this chapter. Um I would say pretty heavy discussion given some of our letters and mail. So if that is a trigger for you, um, this would be a good one to bow out, um, unfortunately. Yeah. So we, um, Brienne continues our, her journey and she goes by a wall. <laughs> and that, speaking of triggers, brings up a memory of her trip with Jamie. And she thinks, you know, was this where, was this where the archers hid that killed Cleos? Um, I love that she calls him poor Sir Cleos. She does feel bad for him. As she should, because He's I think we've pitiful. discussed that he was not a terrible catch. Um, no. I feel like this is going to be one of those chapters where like, my standards are clearly lower than other people. Uh, <laughs> mine is Just well, saying. I think. Yeah. <laughs> mine too. Uh-oh. Um, uh, and we find that actually Podrick, who we met in her prior chapter, is riding with her. And, you know, she's being so obvious about it that Pod asks, you know, what are you looking for? And she tells him, a wall I rode by once. It does not matter. And then thinks to herself, um, it was when Sir Jamie still had both his hands. How I loathed him with all his taunts and smiles. I love um, that line. I know. Me too. <laughs> and it's just, you know, you see it in Jamie's later chapters, too, but. And I don't, you know, for those of our listeners who haven't been following along on Twitter, there's a couple of people that are doing a like a live tweeting um, <laughs> Jamie and Brienne's journey. And one of the things that struck me was just, you know, how it goes from like, haha, kind of, you know, jaunty, jauntiness to just like utter like horror and tragedy, you know, just like the worst. And you kind of forget that maybe because you know they come out of it, you know, they, you know, they come out of it alive. But, you know, knowing that and remembering that the way that they both remember this as like, you know, I just almost picture like, you know, I had the time of my life from dirty dancing, like going through their memories of it. They've like memorialized this in such a in such a strange way, you know, she's, oh, maybe that's the wall. Maybe those are the, the streams that we fought in. about the same wall? Doesn't Jamie pass a wall that he thinks is the wall, too? Or I am I making that up? stones, maybe. Like, it's something that even just with him visiting the bear pit, like, it's, you know, these are memories that should be somewhat traumatic for them, but they're so, like, not, <laughs> you know? Like, almost, like, they almost become, like, touchstones for them. Yeah, like it's such a. It's like what happened was such, actually real. It did happen. Here's the wall yeah. to prove it. <laughs> right. Well, right. you get so much of this in Brienne's chapters because I know I've talked about this before, but you know, we saw Jamie's perspective on, on everything that happened when it happened. George really goes out of his way to let you know exactly what Brienne thought at like every step of their storm of swords journey. Like he really wants you to know what she was thinking and feeling at different times. Yeah. And I mean, she, you know, her, she loathed him past tense, you know, like she doesn't loathe him no more. Um, no, not at all. So we, then we get a little bit of pods backstory, which is pretty, you know, pretty tragic. He was from a lesser branch of house pain. Um, 
his father squired for some richer cousins and died in the Great Joy Rebellion. And his mom took off with a singer when he was four. And then he was passed on to, you know, this other cousin, Sir Cedric Payne, who basically treated him like a servant. And then Sir Cedric died and he found himself kind of squiring for someone who manned the baggage train or supply chain mostly for Tywin Lannister. And this guy was caught stealing a ham and was going to be hanged. And um, Pod's last name saved him. And Kevin took an, took a little bit of an interest and then sent him to Tyrion. So, I mean, he's like, how old is Pod? Like 11 or 12? Oh, or is he even younger? He's like 12. 10 or I think 12, he, they say. Or. He, well, we know that he's 12, though, because of when he was t- with Tyrion. We actually know what his age is. Okay. It's just Brienne can't tell how old he is. So, um, but I think he might actually be 13 okay. by the time that I, I can't remember. I'd have to look and, at it. You know, so he's since he was four years old, essentially, he's just been passed from person to person. And, you know, no one really even, you know, Brienne learns that Tyrion at least sent him to the master at Master of Arms in King's Landing, but then um, with the bread riots, that guy was killed, and Pod really hadn't had any training since then. So, um, but, but I love he, that she says that he, it's not because he's not, you know, like he he seems to be a quick learner, and he's yeah, not and, necessarily you know, bad. Yeah, he seems to be a quick learner. He, um, you know, isn't bad with the sword. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, he's brave. Like, you know, it has all these really good attributes. Men just, you know, never had. I mean, here's a boy that. From the t- you know you can't he doesn't remember any you know he doesn't remember a time where he had a family or he had anyone that loved him I think you know what's really sad yeah. too is that he, like, he's like seeking out Tyrion you know and like that's like Tyrion was the best he had like right yeah well and like he's clearly and Tyrion so competent. didn't appreciate him <laughs> no but he's clearly so competent to even get this far uh-huh. like saying oh this is the person I should follow choosing Brienne to follow smart. And being able to follow her, I mean, obviously she's spotted him in every one of her chapters up to this yeah. point, but I mean, like, he was able to follow her and keep himself fed and everything, so... And he did I his mean, own you know. investigation in King's Landing, too, you know, like, he yeah. he kind of went through a lot of the same steps as he did, as she did, so yeah, I mean, he's not a... He's a smart boy, he's really loyal, he's got some skills. Um, I just love that George, like, took these two... Uh, secondary characters, side characters, and put them together because they're so loyal and, you know, really just want to be good and they get treated horribly by everyone. And then George is like, here, I'm going to put you guys together. You can be a found family. And I kind of love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's and, almost you know, like found not- family is like, <laughs> sucks me in every time. Well, it's yeah. almost like they're not secondary characters or something. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, Pod is still a secondary character, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and for them to give them to each other, I think. Well, what's so beautiful that, about it is the mirror of Duncan Egg, right? Like we're getting it, and yeah. it just hits it on the head again mm-hmm. that this is this is Dunk's descendant. So it kind of it kind of kills me for wins when I think of it too, because you know, at the end of Storm of Swords, even you wouldn't have thought that this was going to be a pairing that was you know you're going to read about. Like there's no hints or indication <laughs> of that. And then, you know, lo and behold, and it's sort of like, what what things are lurking for us in this book that we'll never read that, you know, what characters are going to interact and stuff. And, you know, we're, we're, we don't know. That's half the fun of these books, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the, you know, the, Brienne's teaching Pod how to fight, and she tells him that if he stays with her, he'll go to sleep with blisters on his hands and bruises on his arms, and he tell you know, and she says, you know, you don't want that. And he says, yeah, I do. I want that. The bruises and the blisters. I mean, I don't, but I do. <laughs> Which, um, and, you know, this is the most adorable thing is he shows her every time he gets a new blister. Like, he's really odd. Oh, I know. He's such a good, you know, he's such a good boy. And, you know, he says she, she he takes good care of her horses. And, um, you know, he calls her sir, but, you know, He's no squire and she's no knight, no matter how many times he calls me sir. And, you know, she thinks about how she would have sent him on his way, but he had nowhere to go, which is just, you know, heartbreaking. And then also thinks that, um, 
you know, he says he doesn't know where Sansa went, but she thinks, you know, maybe there's some piece of information that he doesn't really even realize is important that he has. And and again, you know, beyond George giving us that Duncan egg um, parallel, it, he is, you know, he's arming Brienne with a magic sword. He's arming her with, you know, letter from the king. He's arming her with Dunk shield. And then he's also giving her someone who knows Sansa Stark, you know, like, she does actually have, you know, she is being given all of these assets, really. And then, you know, we we think throughout her travels, what else, you know, what else is she acquiring that's going to make her successful, maybe, in her quest? Yeah, well, a lot. Well, the other thing about Pod is that he's also been um, at the center of a lot of what went down in King's Landing. So you really don't know what all he might know that might come in handy later, even beyond just Sansa. Right. Right. I mean, he's, you know, just thinking like, oh, you know, he actually knows what Sansa looks like. Brienne's never seen right, her. That's true. <laughs> you know, it sort of makes you think like, God, you know, is this like a key for him to survive Lady Stoneheart later? Just in that, you know, he does know who she is. Um, you know, obviously we think Brienne might meet up with other people who do as well. But, you know, Pod would have known her, you know, pretty well. So they're moving towards Maidenpool. And they run into this man and woman who are pulling a cart along the road. They're bringing eggs for um, what we find out is Randall Tarley's son, Dickon, um, to the daughter of Lord Moon. And it's an old man and his, his an old man and his like significantly younger wife. And they talk about how um, you know they're having problems because the the wolves took their ox and their daughter. And, um, you know, the daughter came back, but the ox never did. So they, um, you know, oh, God, just, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, the woman, the woman is kind of cold to Brienne. Um, you know, she thinks about how, you know, most women were as cruel as men and, you know, she didn't, she didn't know what was more hurtful, the pretty girls who were cold to her. Or, you know, the small, the small folk that were like, you know, just, you know, even the small folk show her disdain. Well, she says, she goes, Especially. there's the, the beautiful ladies that laugh at her. And yeah. then there are the ladies that treat her nicely, but are being secretly cruel to her. And then there's the common folk who she says treat her, common women, she says, who treat her even worse. Yeah, they just let her yeah. rip. I think, too, it'd be probably good if I could incorporate this Anon question from Tumblr, because it kind of is about this particular scene. Um, Scene of the arrival at Maidenpool really shows the harshness of this world, especially for the small folk. Not only are the peasant couple's goods confiscated, the woman is treated as a sexual commodity. Of course, our brave and just maid, Brienne, will not stand to see the innocent suffer, even though this woman's earlier wounded with her with coldness. She draws her sword and challenges them. So this is a little bit in a bit. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. My question <laughs> is, what other characters can you imagine doing the same? I would like to think Jamie would. Yeah, I mean, I think Jamie would. I think Danny would. You know, think of the characters. Or, you know, John absolutely would. Well, um, Cat, Ned, tons of people would. Yeah, I mean. Decent. If you think of the decent characters. Gen- I mean, you know, Arya absolutely would. <laughs> Gendry would. You know, there's a, you know, actually, you know, Sansa this is would. the definition of, you know, Davos the, would. the Brotherhood Without Banners. Like, this is what, you know, this is what their original incarnation was doing, essentially, or what they were standing for. Originally, yes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of characters. I mean, this is like one of those really clear cut things where it's, you know, it's like low stakes danger for Brienne, really. Yeah. I mean, she's, yeah. it's, you know, she's doing a really good thing, but it's not like, you know, it, it's not so incredibly extraordinary, I guess. Like, it's not no chance and no choice. I know? know, but I feel like it's more extraordinary for Brienne, like, than for many people just because, you know, what a hard time she has putting herself out there and because yeah. she knows she's going to get it harder than anybody else, as we'll see, well, who th- would do the same thing. Yeah, I think to the point is, like, it seems to be like the mode of operandi with people is to avoid ignore um it's not what brienne does even the no. the husband the farmer he's just goes into okay this is what happens mode and kind of just you know lets it happen yeah so you know brienne is brienne's threatening them and she you know she tells them um 
you know, she's threatening them and kind of in the middle, I'm sorry, I'm just struggling with how to, how to tie the story in. Um, in the middle of it, she thinks about her, you know, she thinks about Dick and Tarly's wedding and then she thinks about her own, you know, her own first engagement. We get like all of this little backstory of Bran in this chapter. And this is to, it was Lord Karen's younger son who, you know, died well before they were, before they were married. And, you know, she has this thought that I think, um, it's kind of divisive in the fandom in the, in a way mm-hmm. because of it's so, um, you know, different interpretations of it and definitely different interpretations in the show. And she thinks, um, you know, she, you know, had he lived, they would have been wed within a year of her first flowering and her whole life would have been different. She would not be here now dressed in man's mail and carrying a sword, hunting for a dead woman's child. More like she'd be at night song, swaddling a child of her own and nursing another. It was not a new thought for Brienne. It always made her feel a little sad, but a little relieved as well. It's like getting to that duality of Brienne that she's not just, you know, she's not just a knight who always wanted to be a knight and only wanted to be a knight. And, you know, she wants to be a knight, you know, that that's not. Yeah, no, I, well, and this is, I think we have the show to blame largely for this because (sighs) Brienne is so much, her whole story is about her finding a way to kind of let both sides of herself coexist. There's, this knightly side that wants to do chivalrous things and she's learned how to use a sword and, you know, she really has some ideals and believes in things and wants to fight for them. But there's also the side of her that is very girly for lack of a better word. I mean, she kind of likes softer things. You never hear that she like dislikes dresses or things like that. It's that she gets mocked when she wears them. And, you know, I mean, like she, she, she's the type of person who, if she looked differently, I don't think she ever would have sought out the sword. I think most of us who are book readers agree with that. Um, it's not like Arya who, who would have, would have been a fighter regardless because mm-hmm. that was her personality. Brienne was kind of in a way not forced to it, but she chose this because it was a way for her to exist in the body that she was given in the world that she lives in. And, um, the show did a completely different thing with Brienne. We'll just put it well, that way. You know, and we find out this story like just a couple, literally a couple pages after, you know, essentially Brienne's acquired a, a foster child, you know, like she's a mother to Pod. I mean, I don't know how else, you know, she's a mother and a father to Pod, really. I mean, a mother, a father and a knight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and a knight. Right. So, I mean, yeah, she's, you know, she's all three of those, all three of those things. So, you know, kind of expressing that, that thing. So it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard because I don't know, you know, now it's sort of like maybe like the, you know, the child free women among us can, can think about this. Like, well, you know, would you, you know, if your life had been different and you had a child, would you, you know, oh, you'd probably be happy with that. But would you, you know, it's not that you're not happy without out it. It's just, you know, it's those paths not taken. Um and you know who's to well, say? Well, I think what it does is it it very George is very explicitly opening the door to say, uh, hey, no, Brienne is not you know a warrior born who only wants to be a warrior and never had any interest in living as a lady, which is something that he very much did with Arya. Yeah, yeah. You know, Arya 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 wants a different path than the ladies' path. Brienne didn't necessarily not want the ladies' path, is what yeah. George is think- basically explicitly telling you right here. Yeah, and I think she's just, you know, like, as you said, she's kind of making the best of the world that she was presented with, you know? Like, she's living, I mean, it sounds so absurd when you think about where her story's going, but, you know, she is kind of, you know, she's living her best life in, yeah. like, a really, on her <laughs> in, terms, like, a weird way. Too, is yeah. Thing, right? Like, because she could have settled for any of those, you know, assholes, <laughs> but she, on her own terms, just wasn't going to settle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know, as, as we talked about, they come on, they come upon the guards at Maidenpool who, you know, want to steal the eggs and the, and the farmer's wife, basically. And, um, they're all set to do it. And Brienne, of course, you know, can't stand for that and, you know, tells them she knows what Lord Randall does with outlaws and with rapers. Um, and, you know, they, they don't really take her very seriously. Until someone else interrupts. Rapers, a deeper voice finished. He gelds them or sends them to the wall, sometimes both. And he cuts fingers off thieves. And we get this description of 
A languid young man stepped from the gatehouse, a sword belt buckled at his waist. The surcoat he wore above his steel had once been white, and here and there still was, beneath the grass stains and dried blood. His sigil was displayed across his chest, a brown deer dead and bound and slung beneath a pole. Him. <laughs> his voice was a punch in her stomach, his face a blade in her bowels. Sir Hyle, she said stiffly. Like, that's the best introduction since uh, Oberyn Martell, isn't it? <laughs> it's just like, you know, kind of dickish, kind of sleazy, but also kind of attractive. <laughs> and like her reaction to him is so just, you know, oh, she can't. I mean, she. She cannot stand she him. Can't, she can't stand him, no. And it's, you know, it's like outsized a bit. Um, you know, she can't stand him. And I, you know, I think we all kind of think she can't stand him because she kind of liked him. You know, like it's. Yeah, that's true. Like that's there's some part truth to that, I think. There is a little truth to it. Yeah. I mean, like, you know that when she met him, she was fully in love with Renly. So it's not yeah. like she like fell for Heil or anything like that. But clearly she liked him. She basically says that she did. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like he was the best of the bunch, you know, like he, yeah, yeah he did the, he the guy that... with the monkey. <laughs> when you guys read about Mark Mullender, do you just totally picture Ross from France? Yes. By the way, because... <laughs> oh no, I, I didn't before. Oh God. <laughs> well, actually I picked uh. his, I pictured Marcel, the monkey, not so much. Ross. <laughs> I do picture Marcel and I picture Ross. <laughs> That's who it is. Uh, he's lost it's his like arm. Frost is without an arm. <laughs> did, you, did you watch Band of Brothers, the miniseries when it was on? No. No. Um, the uh, oh, David Schumer plays. Yeah, he plays like their like asshole um, first commander, and it's just like you read recaps, and it's just basically everyone just says Ross because that was like back in two thousand one <laughs> too. So it's like it was new. It was near enough that yeah, it was just Ross. So Ross tells them blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> Poor so, Ross. I mean, swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Hyle tells them, you know, this is Brienne the Beauty, the maid of Tarth, who slew King Renly in half his rainbow guard and she's mean as she's as she is ugly and there's no one uglier except perhaps for you piss pot (laughs) (laughs) oh he's great (laughs) jamie and light (laughs) i'll take it uh what was that (laughs) i said i'll take it (laughs) yeah jamie light and you know one of the sergeants is like well shouldn't we take her you know she killed renly and yeah you know, Hyle is pretty reasonable saying, well, you know, Renly's a rebel and we're fighting for Tommen now. So, uh, you know, <laughs> what's the problem? Not really. Um, and, you know, the old man is the old. This is like the thing that I think like sticks in Brienne's craw the, whole, the most here. You know, the old man is like, oh, my thanks, my lord. You're a true knight. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you asshole. Like, right. Brienne was the one who did everything. Hyle and wanders Hyle- in at the end. Yeah, Typical. He's like, like, yeah, all, oh, Hyle, you know, Hyle's so great. So he's just super, you know, she's all the credit. He's that. like, yeah. yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and Brienne is, yeah, poor Brienne. <laughs> no credit. Um, so Hyle basically leads, um, he's leading them to Randall Tarley, but in the meantime, they kind of catch up on, on old times on, uh, you know, Hyle's like, oh, do you plan to thank me for your help? And Brienne, Brienne says, one day I'll thank you in a melee. <laughs> he's like... He's so sassy. The way you think Red Ronnet. <laughs> and he's laughing. And she thinks, you know, how he has this, you know, nice, full, rich laugh and an honest, you know, what she thought was an honest face before she learned better. And again, it's like, yeah, she likes him. Um that's yeah you just look at how she like describes his face and she talks about how he has this little scar by his ear and i was like oh this is someone who looked very closely at someone's face right i mean it's sort of like you know in many ways i think we see we've talked about how you know her feelings for jamie are are like the feelings of you know basically the feelings of like a real love interest in your life compared to renley which is like a crush on the lead singer of a boy band you know yeah like there was there was that versus, you know, flesh and blood. And you kind of like, you know, Brienne actually sort of, I think, probably kind of felt a little bit of that for Heil, but just wasn't in such circumstances as she ever had to recognize it. And then obviously with 
um, what we find out what happened at camp at all went awry. But, you know, it's sort of like the. Um, well, I think her feelings for Heil were probably like like we talk about Heil being Jamie light and her feelings yeah, for yeah. Heil were her feelings for Jamie. Very light, very right. diet version. Right. And you kind of can see what, you know, she is kind of, you know, some of the things she is attracted to, you know, and then when you see when you see how she and Heil interact and you think back to her first saying, you know, she loathed Jamie with his taunts and his smiles. I mean, it's like she might as well replace Heil right there because, I mean, that's the same. It's the same type of interaction like that. um, Yeah, that she kind of secretly likes. I have to say it just drives me. I mean, as much as I'm not a Heil hater, I don't think any of us are. It, it just so much annoys me that here he's done what he's done to her and he's mad at her. Like the dick <laughs> is mad at her yeah. for getting in trouble for this horrible bet that he put together. But anyway, yeah. I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah, he's he's not great. Um, so he brings them over to he's bringing them to a stable and and Brienne, you know. What actually also gets to her is, you know, she. She tells him, you know, she was with King Renly when he died, but sorcery slew him. Um, you know, she swears it on her sword. And, you know, Hyle's like, yeah, you know, it was, you know, obviously Loras carved up the Rainbow Guard. Um, you know, you're, you know, Sir Robar was twice the swordsman that you are. So he kind of is, uh, you know, really, this is like... Her, the, and which is funny, because yes. we'll see later on how he, like, kind of almost falls in love with her abilities as yeah. a fighter, like he's, he still doesn't realize, yeah, she is pretty damn capable. Well, I think, I think him disparaging her as a fighter at this point is him like lashing out at her. I mean, she won the freaking melee at, at yeah. Bitterbridge. Nobody's arguing that she was yeah. probably but one of the best night Can't you see him like dude broing an excuse? Yeah. Oh, I got a cramp. It was too humid. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, drank too much the night before, you know. Yeah. Oh, totally. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, so, you know, she realized she can't lie to him about what she's doing. You know, she can't tell him she's looking for her sister. He knows she doesn't have sisters. But, and so she just tells him she's looking for the stinking goose. And, um, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it's the stinking part's pretty apt, but he asked, you know, first you're going to come see Lord Tarly with me. And, you know, she thinks about how she didn't fear Tarly, um, but, you know, he was one of, or she didn't fear Hyle, but he was one of Tarly's captains. So if she tries to leave, she's going to be screwed. You know, they're going to, they're going to defend him. And, you know, she, so she really obviously doesn't want to see Randall Tarly, as we'll understand. Um, but we do see, you know, it's interesting, like, we do see the effects of Randall Tarly here and, you know, Whereas you might have expected Maidenpool to be desolate and, you know, pretty grim, like Tarly's putting everyone to work and there's a lot of rebuilding going on. You know, there's kids playing and, um, you know, they're rebuilding and there's vegetables planted and stuff. So, you know, as shitty of a person as he is, um, he's at least getting them prepped for winter. He's kind of like the, you know, the get the trains run on time guy. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, she, they, they actually go to the harbor and this is where, you know, she sees that trade has returned and there's a galley, um, other things in port, little fishing boats and whatnot. Um, and she thinks, you know, if nothing happens at the stinking goose, she's going to take a ship to Gulltown and go to, and go to the Erie from there. And they find Lord Tarly and he's basically torturing and killing some men that have, um, you know, had various offenses. So again, we see, you know, he's a hard ass in the most real way. Um, not a nice guy, you know, yeah, these people did stuff, but he's like taking fingers off thieves. And, you know, he's kind of like, if Heil is Jamie light, Randall's sort of like Stannis medium light, like, <laughs> or Tywin maybe light. I don't know. Maybe Tywin light. Yeah. He's, you know, I don't know. I was, it's it funny. I think I was on Reddit the other day and I was reading about like the offenses of thievery. Like it, it seems harsh. Um, but if you think about it, uh, stealing somebody's tools or their food, you could literally be condemning them to desolate, um, desolation or death. Like it was a, it's not, it's not like, you know, today you, you lose something, you go out and replace it. I don't know. Just yeah. in Charlie's defense. <laughs> I don't 
know why I'm defending Randall Darley here. <laughs> no, I mean, and you know, but there's, you know, there's one where someone accuses this whore of giving in the pot or giving the pox to four soldiers. So they wash her yeah, out with some lie. That's you know, some like bullshit. Some, that's not yeah, cool. Some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing with Charlie is, yeah, he is the kind of guy who can keep the trains running on time, but there's a special kind of ruthlessness and cruelty to Charlie that kind of distinguishes him a little bit. And he's also so weirdly vindictive, like the way that he remembers things. I mean, I just think anybody who threatens to kill their own son is, <laughs> And you know he means it is just in their own category of well, asshole. and it's funny because you know imme- so there's a Sam chapter that immediately follows, and like in the first couple of paragraphs, yeah. it's Sam remembers Heil um, rescuing him from a lake that Randall Tarley threw him in to get him to yeah. swim. You know, and he's yeah. like really young at the time, so I mean that's you know very much an indication of the kind of man that Tarly is but it's also kind of interesting that that little nugget is in there to give us a little bit more sympathy again for Hyle like well and I to think set you up su- for what Hyle will do in the next you know couple yeah, of chapters like, we're supposed to like Hyle you know i don't think yeah we're we're supposed to like him like obviously he's yeah. super fun you know he's a really fun character so basically that it seems like so many Jamie and Brand shippers hate Hyle like there are some people that do not like really well, I mean, I think it's, you know, I don't, I don't expect or want Brienne to forgive him. You know, like, he's, you know, I, I don't think she has any obligation to forgive him, you know, cause, you know, he did pretty shitty things to her, but me as a reader, he's done nothing but amuse you. <laughs> right. He's amused and delighted me personally. So, but I, I mean, I yeah, do think well, and I that. mean, he's a threat. He's a threat. He's a romantic threat. Let's not, you know, sugarcoat this. He is a romantic threat. And there are a lot of theories, you know, of course, that if, when, when Jamie eventually dies, that, that Brienne might end up with Heil in the, in the very end of things. I mean, and no, I'm not horrible with that. You know, it's better than her. I'm horrible up with, with it, but I don't hate Heil. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like she could do, I feel like she could do far, far, far worse than Heil. Um, Obviously, she could do worse than Heil. I mean, there are Randall Tarleys out there. I, I mean, like, I'm the same way. The thing that, the thing that Heil did is, is personally horrific for Brienne, which is why yeah. I never want her to have anything to do with him. Yeah. But like, just as a reader of A Song of Ice and Fire, it's like, okay, this is the worst thing that Heil has done. <laughs> it's just kind of hard to get like too worked up yeah, over yeah. it. Like when you look at it kind of yeah. in, in that perspective, that's I'm very line. upset on Brienne's behalf. I never want her to have to be in a relationship with him because of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's yeah, line up his of a sins, song of ice right? And fire. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, I, I mean, we're all in love with a guy who pushed a kid out the window. Right? Come so, on. You know, <laughs> and Heil saved perspective the kid. Good. Oh my God. And Heil saved a kid that was pushed into a lake. <gasps> <gasps> Okay, yes. <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> that being said, I do not ship him with Brienne in any way, shape, or form, and I would not be cool with it if she ends up with him because I think for her that's horrific. I'd be it depends okay on the. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it depends on the situation I for me, you. you know, like if it's very much like she's doing him a favor, you know, like <laughs> I don't know, I you know. Ugh. I, I also don't, you know, it's like I don't necessarily want her to live a life without anyone if she doesn't, you know, if she doesn't want to. And he seems like a reasonable alternative. And and if he actually know, really, like, cares for her and they can be reciprocated, like, we don't which know. Which is very much in question how yeah, much it is for yeah. her. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he does care for her, but he in does what, care for her a little right. bit. But I mean, you know, how much as yeah, much as he cares exactly. for Todd? I mean, like we we don't. We it, all know right. at the end of the day, Heil cares for Heil. So yes, <laughs> I mean, and he might like his daughter. You know, like well, he abandoned his daughter. I mean, this <laughs> well, is because the mom made him because I don't he was want Heil. I, she threw hot soup I, at him or water I, or something. Oh God, I don't want Heil for Brienne. I do not want. <laughs> okay, I we'll don't stop. Want Heil, though. We'll stop torturing you. So, um, so we get to meet Randall Tarley, and you know the first thing he says is, "My lady, to what to, to what do we owe this honor?" And I totally am picturing Michael McAtlin saying this. Like, I don't know why, but it's all of a sudden he turned into like show Bruce Bolton to me with this phrase. Um, and you know, Brand kind of loses her confidence talking to him. You know, she's like stumbling over what she's you know what she's looking for and. 
you know, Charlie's a dick right away. Well, how will you find him if you don't know his name? <laughs> yeah, he's, you're you. hilarious. Yeah, you're so funny. Um, and then he asked her if she killed Renly, and she says no. Um, no stumble there. She said that yeah, pretty No, you quick. only let him die. Um, and she tries to tell him it was sorcery, and he he doesn't listen. He just tells her, you know, you never should have worn a sword. You never should have left your father's hall. Um, I had to ship you back to Tarth. And now she gets brave. She tells him, you know, you do that and you answer to the, answer to the throne. And she has Pod bring him, bring him her parchment from Tommen. And, you know, Tarly reads it and, um, you know, asks what, what king's business is this? And she realizes she has to tell him, she has to tell him she's looking for Sansa. And, um, that kind of like, you know, I honestly forgot that she kind of just blurted that out right there. Like Sansa Stark. You got to wonder like who overheard that. Oh, the whole town. Yeah. They're all there. Yeah. Well, and I don't know why she doesn't just say it's, it's the, it's the crown's business and not yeah. your, like, I don't know why she felt like she had, I like it's, I don't know. Don't you feel like it's going to, it's going to be brought up somewhere again, or there's going to be, some I don't kind know of because I think the, I think the point of the conversation is that then Tarly gives her the info that Lys is dead and that you oh, know, yeah, kind of shifts true. her off her course. So okay, let's look at it this way. Who's in King's Landing right now at the end of dance? Um, Randall fucking Tarly, like literally in like small council meetings with Kevin and stuff. So yeah, but I mean, would he ever think he that Brienne would, this? would he ever think that Brienne would succeed? Or, or I guess he no, could mention about that. It's about what if he just oh, oh yes, Jamie's still lost. They say he's with Brienne of Tarth. She's looking for Sansa Stark, and Cersei goes bananas. That could happen. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, yeah like Cersei Randall Tarly, Cersei Red Ronnet conversations that were hypo- sure. hypothesizing really need to happen. Do. So all realize. of these conversations need, need to happen. How much information is sitting right at Cersei's fingertips in King's Landing at the end of Dance with regard to Brienne and Jamie? I don't know. We deserve this, you I know? know. We do. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Um, so, uh, you know, Tarly tells her, you know, Liza's dead. Um, you know, do what you want, but when you're raped, don't come to me for justice. You will have earned it with your folly, which is like, fuck you, like, even harder than the last time. And, um, you know, he, then he starts yelling at Hyle and he's like, oh, you know, but I thought, and Tarly just tells Hyle that he thinks too much. And, you know, so Hyle's on, Hyle's on like the shit end of Tarly's, of Tarly right now too. And, you know, Brienne's kind of, I think a little bit crestfallen here that knowing that Liza's, Liza's dead. And, um, Hyle tells her that he'll show her to the stinking goose. And, um, Brienne's like, just go back to your gate and, and leave me alone. She's pissed. And um, he he's telling her, he just tells her it was only a game, you know, um, and tells her, you know, that Ben died and, you know, all these other people died or were wounded. And, you know, Brienne wants to be like, good. But then she remembers like the kind, you know, kind of the, like the fun times at camp, if that makes sense. You know, she, and can't really she can't bring herself to be happy that these men are dead, even given what because they did she's to her. too good for this world. She's a decent yeah. person. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, you know, she dismisses Hyle and, um, you know, goes off to look for the stinking goose and, and pods like, uh, you know, do you know, do you know where it is? You know, that, that guy told us <laughs> that night, Sir Kyle, as he calls him, which thank you, Pod, Pod is one of us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Also, you know, Sir Kyle the Cat, obviously, there's a little callback there. Um, uh, he, you know, basically pods like, you know, what did he do to you? And she tells him the story that when she came to High, when she came to High Garden, um, the men played a trick on her and they all pretended to court her. And they, you know, that did little things like, you know, Ross would bring his monkey around <laughs> and <laughs> to, to, you know, make her laugh. And, um, other people would, 
you know, bring her, bring her gifts and, you know, always, you know, have a seat for her and whatnot. And, um, Heil would, you know, brought her storybooks and brought her, um, brought her like his, uh, I can't remember. A plume, a plume, a plume okay, for her the helmet. Plume, a plume for her helmet. And then, you know, trained for her, which she, she says, that was you know, meant best. more than any of it. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, it gets, you know, you see it, you can see it escalating like, oh, one of the guys offers to give her a back rub, which, you know, it's never just a back rub. <laughs> and, you know, she thinks about how she refused them all. Um, one of them kissed her, too. Yeah, and then she knocked then, his ass into a fire pit. Yep, <laughs> Owen Inchfield tried to kiss her. And, you know, she's thinks about how she, you know, basically like looked in the mirror and was like, you know, I haven't gotten any prettier. What's going on? Um, why are they being so kind to me? What do they want? And we find that, you know, Dickon, in, in addition to having a stupid name, is also a tattletale and overheard some of the men talking about the bet that they had and went to his father about it. And Tarly tells her about the bet that, I think it was each person put put a golden dragon, and whoever took her maiden head would win it. And um, Tarly tells her he puts an end to it, and she's just shocked. You know, she's shocked that oh my god, there are knights, and they would, you know, they were doing this. You know, she thinks anointed knights. She's so naive. Yeah, and Tarly's um, like, you know, Tarly well, says, it's not their fault; it's yours. Yeah, I mean, he says, "An honorable man, the blame is yours," and. You know, tells her that her being there alone encouraged them. Um, you know, if a woman yeah, well, he's basically, yeah. it's like the, it's like modern day equivalent of like protecting locker room talk. Like, you know, well, boys and I will mean, be boys. Yeah. And we had a couple, we had a couple of messages kind of specific to this. I don't know a lot if you wanted to read. Yeah. It's, it's actually pretty heavy. Um, so yeah, this is, up. yeah. Um, it says, ladies, I wasn't going to write this week, but then I noticed that in this chapter, Brienne recalls her time in Renly's camp. By happenstance, an article about sexual assault in the military was posted on the Atlantic website this weekend, and I thought it pertinent. Um, it is in the October 2019 print edition. The author was only a year or two older than Brienne when she was in Iraq. I had the possibility to go to Iraq or Afghanistan in 2016. 2006-7. Around this time, journalists started reporting on two things that really worried me. Traumatic brain injury resulting in mental impairment caused by explosive blast waves and sexual assault in theater by friendly forces. I never felt that threat personally while I was in the Navy. In hindsight, some of this was naivety, but also served with good men who looked out for me slept in locked single sex quarters and women were about 15% of the ship's crew which was a higher percentage than ground forces I didn't realize how fortunate I was until I met women veterans who served in earlier decades or on isolated duty stations they had to be on their guard constantly as Brienne is as the article describes when the danger of rape exists it is constant it is pervasive and it causes sleep deprivation, and the repercussions for the woman are serious. I know someone who contracted HPV-related cervical and ovarian cancers from it. Anyone who thinks GRRM is exaggerating Brand's risk of rape can read this article and see that he is not. There was a time in my life when I was eager, terrified, but still eager to go to war and prove myself like the Knights of Summer. But it's one thing to risk death and injury fighting an enemy— Quite another to wonder when and which one of your brothers in arms is going to violently turn against you. That made my decision much harder. Ultimately, the choice was never mine. My request was declined by my commanding officer for bureaucratic reasons, and I remained stateside, much to the relief of my older and wiser friends. Respectfully, M. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I want to say, I, I definitely appreciate people sharing their personal stories with regard to this. And I think, you know, George gets a lot of flack for how much rape is in the books. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that the argument is ever that it's, um, unrealistic to the world. 
the argument is usually how it's featured and then how it's dealt with and how often it's featured. Just, you know, I think authors choose what they're going to feature (laughs) when they're writing things. And it is something that I think does get some over prominence um, in his books, which is not to say that it's not a realistic thing to include. It's how often he includes it. And is it strictly necessary to make the points he's trying to make? But I certainly appreciate, um, I certainly appreciate you sharing that, especially your own experience. Yeah. God. Yeah. Cause what happens is like in any kind of popular medium, whether it be um, books or television or whatever, it's like the topic of rape tends to get, it gets overused as a device many many a time and um it normalizes it and i think when you see like you get an article like this or a letter like this and uh it has a way of kind of i mean setting our focus on this topic as a personal thing is a horrific thing and no it shouldn't be normalized and it shouldn't be used as a device well and it's you know if you're if you're going to have a character um, who is like a POV character or a very big character experience sexual assault, it's very important that you center them in their own story. Yeah. And that it's about their experience and not um, to show motivation for a man or something like that. I mean, that's just not um, paying, uh, I think, good service to the seriousness of, of what, what sexual assault can mean to people. And I think, you know, people kind of lose sight of this. They're like, why are you saying this? You know, like, especially with Game of Thrones, people are killed all the time and it's everything. It's like, yeah, but you know, for most people, most people don't know people who are violently killed, murdered or, or, you know, killed in war or anything. But when it comes to sexual assault, as we know, unfortunately too well, I mean, at best estimates in like North America, it's what one in every, every one in every four women has yeah. experienced it. This is pervasive for women. And or even just the way it's a fallback threat, like yes. even, you know, even our Twitter soldiers as they are, you know, that's the, you know, that's a very quick threat to a woman you disagree with. But the thing is, it's a it's a very real threat. I mean, like, right, right. you can read about murders and things like that, and it can seem very distant. I realize there are places in the world where it isn't distant. But for most of us who are reading this, you know, in 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 North America anyway, you know, the English-speaking world, this is not a pervasive threat of murder or mm-hmm. dismemberment or torture. But rape is. One in four. Rape is a constant threat for well, women. And, you know, even in, you know, in Brienne's case, it's... You know, it's rape, and then in her, you know, in her situation, it's like workplace sexual harassment too, you know, in a way. And I mean, even you know, so it gets even more pervasive, you know, just yeah. that, you know, imagine her being, you know, a a female and you know a female employee in an all male firm, and you read about, you know, these. You know, I think there was just one. I think I was just reading a Twitter thread about this where a lawyer accidentally sent a text about he wanted to send it to another male colleague, but sent it to a female colleague about how hot this woman was and how he was just going to just going to have to fuck her. And, you know, then, you know, spent the next couple of days trying to backtrack on it. And, you know, this was not, you know, this was his colleague, this was his coworker and just, you know, all of the stuff that women know goes on, you know, we know this is what, what it is. And Brienne, you know, Brienne didn't know, you know, that's kind of the irony of it. She, at this point, she was too like innocent. She knew something was, wasn't right, but she didn't actually know what she, her mind, what it was dreamt up this scenario, but it's, you know, now she just suspects it, you know, now she suspects it anywhere. And it's that, pervasiveness that you just get so tired, you know, you get so tired of, and it's, you know, here's Brienne, you know, she's 19. I mean, she's the, you know, the age of, you know, frankly, the age of many women soldiers in the, in the service now, you know, like 19 years old and having to, you know, having to deal with this from people that you should instead be relying on, you know, relying on for your life. Instead, you can't trust anyone. Well, and it's kind of like, you know, the person who sent the email, this is friendly fire. Like, you know, this is, this is your own side. Right. And I mean, same with Brienne, like these were her, 
you know, these were her nights of summer. And, you know, when we meet her with Kat, we get like that sense of pride about, you know, about the men that she's serving with, even, you know, even then, even at that point. And that was even like after she knew, you know, because that was like at Bitterbridge. But still, you know, she saw herself as as part of this. And, you know, she saw herself as part of this world. And, you know, part of what Tarly does is just tear that all away from her, too. Like, no, you don't belong. You know, not only is like this horrible you know, these horrible threats and, and everything, but, you know, you don't belong here. You belong nowhere, basically. Um, but one good thing, yeah. I will say this, you know, the way that George handles rape and Brienne's storyline for herself is is pretty good because, you know, you see very realistic fallout of what the, the different threats that she's faced have, you know, how they've changed her and affected her, and he, he shows very realistic fallout for her, and that is one very good thing. And this is a place that Game of Thrones unquestionably failed. I mean, um, does really Brienne ever even? I mean, other than her time with um, with Locke or with Vargo Holt, I mean, they, you know, she after that point, it's like she's basically, um, you know, untouchable and unbeatable. You know, she never really is under any threat at all on the show. Like you mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just town, no, I, meant, I, mean, I meant how the show handled the the yeah. characters that they did have rape uh, experience a sexual assault, I should say. Um, but yes, I mean, on the show, yeah, they eliminated it, which I'm glad because they didn't know what they were doing with any of that anyway. No. So they should just dropped it and leave, left it alone. And I just want to say that's kind of what our, some of our criticism, even is with George, he he has it places. Some of it needs, you know, is is realistic for a world that is experiencing the amount of warfare that A Song of Ice and Fire is. Absolutely. The amount that he includes is probably not necessary. I mean, it's fiction. You can choose how much yeah. you're going to focus on certain yeah, and things. Yeah, just the casualness of it in some cases, you know, just the... Mm-hmm. And for many secondary characters, you know, it isn't the center of their story. So, yeah, that's great. So on that note, uh, we follow Brienne into the stinking goose and, um, she asks the, you know, she pretty quickly realizes that this isn't a place to, or to drink the water. So it's like basically going into a shit bar and you don't, you know, word to the wise kids, don't order a tap beer at a crappy bar. Like you always get a bottle or a can. No well and, drinks. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's a good point too. Yeah. Like make sure like you hear a top. A top leave in it. Um, and, uh, she, you know, she asks the, the, she gets some wine, but then finds a hair floating in it, which I can't remember. Was it Eon that this is like her favorite thing? Cubic like an hair. oily hair and the, the wine? Yeah. <laughs> oh, George, you're so disgusting. Um, and, you know, she, she's like, tells the proprietess that, if she give her a nod when um, Dick Crab comes in, you know she'll she'll pay her. And so, yep, uh, Nim, you know Nimble Dick Crab comes in and starts telling her a story about how um, about how yes indeed he did take a fool and his two and his two sisters or two girls that were with him um, to a smuggler's cave called the Whispers. And um, you know he's you know she Brienne's kind of like what do, you know what do they look like? What do the fool look like? And he just tells her the fool looks frightened, but he actually never saw the girls, so he can't say what they um, what they look like. And they she kind of ups the ante in what she's going to pay him um, to take her there. And he, you know, they finally come to an agreement. I think it's for like six six gold dragons if she finds. Um, it's outlandish. If she finds, yeah, <laughs> if she finds them. So I mean, it'd be like a huge a huge price. And so um, you know, he agrees. And um, they're going to meet at first light, but at first he, he needs to see a man about a horse. So I love how yeah. I love how the minute she offers six, he's like, "Yep, done deal." And she's like, yeah. "Oops." <laughs> <laughs> she's like never me. been good at bargaining. <laughs> no, and I think we did have a comment about how freely is she spending Jamie's money. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> like, loose hey. with Jamie's coin. Right, you know. I like a good hotel as well. I can't really blame Brienne here. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable, but like giving a bunch of money to this guy and not too wise. Right. 
You can just tell this is one thing she has not had much real world experience with is just, you know, kind of like purchasing things. And I mean, you know, right. she's this a little daughter. She hasn't had to deal with this sort of thing. Yeah. Pod would have been would have come more in handy here, you know, hypothetically to uh, even Jamie, for that matter. I mean, Jamie seemed like, you know, kind of knows how much money things cost. Like, oh, yeah, like, it's family in Westeros knows exactly how much a horse should cost. I don't right. even know how. And they're like, oh, that's, you know, the ransom. I, can you imagine, like, Tywin's, like, lessons were just, like, and stuff like that? Like, <laughs> this is how much all this stuff costs. Or just, like, obviously the ca- the casual conversation. Because I can't imagine the Kingsguard was talking about stuff like this. And God knows Robert wasn't. So, like, oh. you know, Jamie had to have picked it up well before he was in the Kingsguard. So it had to have been, like, I feel like Jenna, this kind of would be the shit that she would talk about all the time. Like, this might be her influence like on him. I this is that thing where really rich people are cheap. Do you know this? Do you, like, do you, have you ever known just, yeah. like, any ridiculously rich people and they just, like, will yep. go out of their way to, like, get a bargain on, you but, know. Like, tip, tip my in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> I have never in my life. We go to a restaurant and we are told you can order anything from this page. And it's, like, the specials oh page God. for that day. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Everything's on us, but you have to order from this page. <laughs> See, I like that game. I I always enjoyed that game of a family meal where you kinda knew like your dad was gonna pay for it. So you'd order accordingly. <laughs> but you know, they'd never explicitly say he was gonna pay for it until the check came. And then you had to play the Oh dad, we'll we'll we can get the tip. <laughs> <laughs> And then you'd come to your agreed-upon solution. So, you know, it was just, yeah, you, you know, that was more fun <laughs> than just saying you could only have the, the three cheapest things. <laughs> only chicken for you. No red meat. <laughs> no red meat or fish. God forbid, no shellfish. <laughs> <laughs> a, meal's a free meal's a free meal. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't know. Did we um do we have any more mail on this chapter? Are we done? Was that it? I guess yeah, we're that done. Was it. Wow. Okay. We, yeah, and uh, crab goes to see a man about a horse. It's kind of a cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. So yeah, we do have some mail. Um, this one's from Sir Bonifer. Uh, adopt a squire, poor motherless Podrick. If he were baggage rather than a boy, he'd have been treated better. This background. Uh, isn't really touched, hasn't really been touched on the show. So I was a bit confused as to why show Podrick was so dedicated to Brienne. But not knowing his history of abandonment, I can see why he is desperate to have someone to care for and be cared for in return. Everything reminds Brienne of Jamie. Brienne is thinking a lot about Jamie as he, as she passes on the way to Maidenpool. She may not yet be aware of the strength of her own regard for him. But I find it difficult to believe anyone reads Feast and thinks Bran is there to just give us a glimpse into the life of small folk. Apparently this is a popular interpretation. Um, Jamie is constantly in Brienne's thoughts. It seems obvious to me that they are on some kind of collision course. In bed... No, I added that part. (laughs) (laughs) Brienne's devotion as strength rather than weakness. When I first encountered this character via the show, I thought it was a bit pathetic that she was so devoted to people who've shown her only modest kindness. I saw it as a sort of damage, but given how absolutely awful everyone is to her, even people who ought to defer to her rank as noble, and how casually she met with threat, she's met with threats of rape and violence, even worse than on the show, her continuing devotion seems to me like a kind of strength. I like that. Anyway, uh, perhaps yeah. in Clash and Storm, she was deluded. She took on causes somewhat naive to the likely costs and conflicts. But after the events in Renly's camp or with the Bloody Mummers, she could easily have gone home to Tarth. Instead, her response to having all of her illusions of honor and chivalry broken is to maintain her devotion and keep pushing on. To be the perfect knight she knows only exists in songs. <laughs> This is some pretty good observation. Yeah. Okay. Can I say as an aside, I hate that. I I blame the show for this, that concept that she basically will pledge herself to anybody who's nice to her. Because it's like, in reality, anybody who gets close to Brienne ends up as devoted to her, if not more so than she does to them. Yeah. 
You can't help but fall in love with her. Um, kind of can't. I mean, Catelyn really likes her by the end and totally trusts her to like handle this whole Jamie thing, which mm-hmm. is crazy, quite frankly. I mean, Loras likes her. I mean, I don't know if he likes her, but I mean, he respects her I mean, like, by like, the time she leaves King's Landing. Right. And let's look at this with some perspective. If you thought somebody killed your the love of your life to flip to then just being like, yeah, I guess she's probably telling the truth. Like, that's just not. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> right. Like her power of, you know, her power of goodness is like a pretty good power. She's, you know. I mean, she's kind of like the Captain America of Westeros in a way. I mean, she not that anyone is. ever, you yeah. know, not that anyone ever really dislikes, you know, Captain America. No, who, but I mean, just like would. that. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I mean, just like that, you know, too good to be true, but actually is true, you know. Okay. And then I guess Jamie's Bucky then. No, you know, missing a hand. Huh. Redeemed. Like. Hmm. Oh, God, we're going to get mail about this. Yeah, and then I feel like Sam is Pod? No. I don't, I'm, I, I, don't, uh, I don't know that everything fits with this. Yeah, I don't know that I'm everything just, fits. I'm just saying, I, I, I hate the show for that. It is kind of true on the show, because it doesn't make sense to you why she's, you know, vowing herself to people all the time, but in the book... Well, and, like, like Catelyn was so thinly drawn from... You know, in the show compared to the books, too. So you don't really get any sense of, you know, why Brienne would be devoted to her at all. Like, Yeah, but see, in the book, I mean, you know, even from Catelyn's side, Catelyn's like, why Why do I want to keep Brienne at my side? And she's like, maybe it's just to have someone else who also saw this crazy supernatural thing. Yeah. And like, that's clearly part of it for Brienne, too. It's like there's yeah. someone else who witnessed this, you know, <laughs> shadow baby killing friendly. Right. Right, yeah, it's, yeah, it, I don't think, yeah, it's just, I mean, I think it's in the show too, like, I don't, you know, do you think in the, in the hypothetical books that she'll just be pledged to Sansa? Cause I actually don't think that she oh, will. Oh, no, of course not. No, I mean, like, she, I think she'll stay with her until she's safe, which might, yeah, you know, be not, well into the war against the others, but yeah. no, I, I, no, I don't. That was another really annoying She's show not thing. Well, serve her. Like she has asked part. I, you know? I was rewatching some of season three and like Jamie's talking to Brienne. And I think it's because they were setting Jamie up to be a one percenter, you know, like, you know, not out yeah, of touch. Which I freaking hate that. But in this dialogue that he has with Brienne, he's like, <laughs> T- telling her that she's not going to be a good servant for Lady Catelyn, and trust me, people have been serving me all my life. And it's like, Brienne has had servants all her life. Brienne is noble, just like you. I mean, like, he's clearly much richer, but like, as far as like how their like households would work, it'd be roughly the same. I mean, like, it just the show presented her as I don't even know what, basically, right. like, I don't know, a a, a cell sword almost. I mean, it's yeah. a steal. Yeah, I mean, she absolutely was. Pre- I mean, there's no, there's after like one of her first few scenes, there was really never any mention or acknowledgement of her being the heir to her house, you know, and that, yeah, that would they be talked about Tarth and they talked about her father, but they never talked about her being his heir. Yeah. And like that would, and the fact that that was important and, you know, it really weighs on her that, you know, this is her, obli- you know, this is an obligation and she takes it very seriously and she's not just going to, you know, she's not going to become like a Stark bodyguard. That's just, right. it's so crazy. It's just one another, it's hard to read it and fix sometimes too. I see it every once in a while and I'm like, no, this is not. Yeah. Oh, like she's got a lonely, awful like ending. Like, why would you want that for her? Yeah. Anyway, let's see. Assholes. Are you for the next? Yeah. Okay. Um, is this one of the ways the show doesn't understand Brienne? She wants more than the King's garden, unattainable, Renly. That's what she settled for when she felt lost, but her dreams and desire for Jamie and family suggest that is with Jamie shift away from the King's Garden Cersei, his mature version of himself aims towards a family and Brienne. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I hope. I mean, I, you know, like, I, I know we're not all, like, gung-ho on, like, a family for them, but, I mean, I feel like she would want that, and he would want that, too, so I can't help but want that. I'm fine with it if they both live. I just don't want her, like, yeah. stop raising his baby if he dies. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally for them. It's unlikely, and it's probably not going to happen, but if they were together with babies and a family, I would not mind. Yeah. I mean, again, super unlikely, but... (laughs) That was from Buck O'Hare from Reddit, by the way. And let's see. I think this will bring us to the last one. Oh, my heart aches for Brienne in this chapter. The horrible bet. I had no idea it would involve so many honorable nights. And to be told by Tarly that it was her own fault had me spitting. This is was also the chapter, I think, that pushed me to the brink on rape with this world. I get it. I do. I understand that it is, is in a historical context, rape is a much more likely outcome for women, but it's everywhere. Every chapter seems to contain threat to particular characters or women in general to such a level that throughout this world it's treated with a shrug and I hate it. Also, Brienne is pretty free with Jamie's coins. Regarding the color of Oathkeeper, that thing is a penis marked with maiden's blood. I realize that this is a hot take from the year 2000. (laughs) And that's from no Mr. Bondi. (laughs) Nice. I like that. I like that too. <laughs> and a fresh that, take. <laughs> that is it for the mail for this one. Any last comments on our intro? Can we talk about Hyle more? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> People are going to be like, "Is this a Jamie and Brian podcast? Are we sure?" Well, I feel no, like we that happens. An entire episode on Hyle, right? So. Uh, yeah, uh, we sh- this is where we should be like quoting what episode that is, and we're not prepared. <laughs> no, we're totally not prepared. But there is an entire special episode devoted to um, our our good Kyle Hunt. So, oh, Kyle, yeah, or or Kyle contest, Kyle as, as it may be. He answers so. to both. He, he totally answers to both. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is like in my top three or four things I would want in wins. Is just Jamie like purposely butchering um, Hiles name in increasingly offensive terms. And Brienne being I need, bewildered I'm, by the banter and <laughs> the back and yeah. forth. I want it. I need them to interact so much. <laughs> yeah, it would be fun. All right. With that, ladies, I am closing the door. Get out. Wait, wait. You know you're not. I'm coming back in, pushing my way back through Uh-oh. the door. <laughs> okay, I'm opening the door because if you also have, if you also have things to say to us, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at door podcast. You can uh, join the discussion on the Jamie and Brienne subreddit. And you can listen to Close the Door and Come Here on Podbean, on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, or and and or you could do both. Become a Patreon and so you will receive special benefits like early episodes. So with that lot, can I close? The oh, door? you know what? I meant to say something else too. <laughs> no, I I can't. She's back this too. Chicky came back oh as well. Oh my god, I am so I am so excited <laughs> to see Charlotte's art for this. Like, oh yeah, I can't wait. I'm really Does excited. She what if yeah. she doesn't pile? We're gonna be oh, so. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh no. Oh, no, we may have no to pressure, edit this Charlotte. out. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be other chapters at Hiles. Yeah, in, yeah. So she, might... Charlotte can uh, give us Hiles at a later date. Just yeah. you know, if she wants, it'd be cool. Whatever. If she wants, fine. Twiddling our, twiddling our thumbs. Okay. I am slowly moving the door to a closed <laughs> position. Should I continue in that direction? Bye. 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 Okay. I'm closing the door. <laughs> Get out. <laughs>